Shankar Prickett, and this here is... Hello, hello, I'm Lindy Prickett, her mom and producer of this here podcast, The Whirlpool of News. Get it? Not Whirlpool, but Whirlpool, because you know we're a world <laughs> news podcast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so as the year is coming to a close, and a lot of us are caught up in cooking, shopping, packing, traveling, we're taking the opportunity to reflect on the last 12 months of Newsy Palooza. Uh-huh. Last week, we gave you the best animal stories featured on Newsy Palooza over the last year, but we still have the best in technology news. Technology news. Technology news. And the best of our big new story, story. of the week. <laughs> and, of course, our personal favorite. Everyone's favorite. Let's face it. Yes, we're talking about the best of our oddballs. The weird and wacky stories spit out of our dear old lucky dip machine. <laughs> With a bit of Christmas cheer in the middle of all that. So this week it's tech news. Technology news. Technology news. Tech news. From our mega specials on EV cars and clean wings. <laughs> artificial intelligence giving a helping hand to the art world in more ways than one. <laughs> Get our seatbelts on and wrap up the engine. Oh, yes, ma'am. Wait, no revving up with this engine. Rather a pity for podcast makers, but that's the whole point of this story being so cool and important. We are talking about, of course, clean cars or electric vehicles, which are on the point of being mass produced. And mass consumed. So basically, when new technology comes out, it's really expensive, right? And usually really big. Like the first computers and phones. The first computers were as big as rooms. And now, your phone is pretty much a computer. I know, that's so true. And it's the same with electric cars. And more importantly, the battery that makes the engine of electric cars run. But now... Sales of electric vehicles all over the world rose by 43% last year. Now, that's still a fraction of total car sales, 4.2% to be precise. But experts in this field, from the people at Bloomberg New Energy to McKinsey Consultancy, predict that... Electric cars will become cheaper to own than gas-guzzling cars in the next three to five years. And the shining example of this is Norway, which has just become the first country in the world to see people buying more electric cars than those powered by petrol or diesel. And for more on this, let's cut across to Annika Dovan Misra, who's half Norwegian and beaming with pride. Thanks, Leela. When Norwegians set their minds to something, they make it happen. Our electric car journey, get it? Car journey started a super long time ago in the 1990s. First, it was environmental activists who pestered the government. Then, the government made the electric cars tax-free and increased taxes on polluting cars. 
That meant electric vehicles, or EVs as we like to call them, were no longer super expensive to buy. So more people did just that, started to buy EVs. Then guess what? More and more charging points started to spring up. So it became easier to own and operate them. And yep, you know where this is going. Even more people started to buy them. So EV makers can make a lot more at one time and presto, that makes it cheaper to produce and price comes down. And then in 2020, for the first time anywhere in history, more than half of the cars bought in Norway, 54% to be exact, were EVs. Go Norway! Thanks a lot, Annika. But Mama, I have a question. Fire away. If these cars are plugged into a socket, isn't that using energy too? Yes, you are so right. Energy from your local electricity grid that's usually powered by fossil fuel like coal, which isn't exactly clean. Uh-oh. And also the batteries are made up of using a lot of rare materials that are precious and limited. So not sustainable then, huh? Mm. And then there's the energy used when the cars and batteries are manufactured or made. Ah, uh, then what's the point? Well, it's the math. EVs are cleaner to run, that is at the point of actually driving them. But really, it's all about the complete story. In one column, Leela, you have the traditional internal combustion vehicle. And in the other, you have the EV. And well, when you add up all the energy costs from the beginning of a vehicle's life to its end, EVs still come out cleaner. And the best thing is, they're improving all the time. With better technology? Yes, not only is grid energy cleaning up in a lot of places, but the EVs are improving all the time too. For instance, one of the major barriers to buying EVs is the cost and running time of the battery. But the Israeli startup StoreDot is now mass-producing batteries that can take an EV 100 miles after being charged for just five minutes. And they're already finding ways to recycle the battery components. Get what one clever company in India is doing for its fleet of electric two-wheelers. Is this the company with the great name, E-Bike-Go-Go? <laughs> Close. Just one go. E-Bike-Go. They've designed, get this, solar batteries for their fleet of scooters, which they rent out to delivery drivers all over India. You mean they won't have to plug it into the dirty old grid? Nope. Solar panels on the top of their garages will charge the batteries. Then when the drivers come in to refuel... Wink, wink. Refuel, so to speak. <laughs> quite. They'll just take out the dead battery and pop in a charged one. So if this works, in the future there might not be fueling stations but battery exchange stations? Maybe so. Sounds pretty clean to me. Yes, maybe it's something that Neuro in America will do. Oh, that cute little driverless EV. Yeah, that's the one, which just got permission to launch in the U.S. Woohoo! For this, let's jump across the Atlantic to our tech reporter and fellow podcaster in his own right, Ari Kelly. Thanks, Leela. Yep, just a few weeks ago, Neuro got its driving license from the state of California. Well, it got the first ever autonomous vehicle deployment permit, to be precise. By the way, autonomous vehicle is a fancy way of saying self-driving car. Getting the permit means the company can actually launch its driverless delivery service in California. Neuro's latest batch of electric vehicles, called R2, 
will be able to bring food, drinks, even prescription medicines and other products straight from the shop to the customer's door. The Slow Speed R2 has a front end that absorbs energy and can collapse inward to better protect those outside of the vehicle in case of a, you know, an accident. Neuro has spent the last two years testing its vehicles in California, Texas, and Arizona. But with this development permit, the company can move out of the testing lane and begin making autonomous deliveries for real. At least in Silicon Valley to begin with. Thanks, Ari. Ari also hosts his own podcast called At Your Level, which you should also check out. And that's a wrap on our EV special. Woohoo! So we talked at the beginning of the year about how electric vehicles were about to have their moment, with more and more people buying EVs than ever before. In effort to drive around in a cleaner way. That's right. But what can we do about traveling across the world? As in flying. In a cleaner way. Air travel is fast and convenient. Beats going by boat if you're traveling from India to England, or England to America anyway. Sure is. But it's not good for the environment, especially with more and more of us taking to the skies. So why don't airlines look at using electric batteries like the EVs use? Well, they are, but there are drawbacks. See, right now the batteries are very heavy. An EV battery weighs, get this, roughly half a ton. That's the weight of a piano. And that's to run a single car. Imagine how much a small plane would need, Leela, never mind a big passenger plane. You wouldn't even be able to get off the ground. Right. So, developers are looking at other methods and fuels, like hydrogen. Okay. And where do we find hydrogen but in water? H2O. <laughs> right. Two hydrogen atoms bonded to one oxygen atom is what makes a water molecule. Wait, you mean water can power planes? Yes, and not just water, but the sun, too. The sun? Well, I guess come to think about it, there's a lot of solar power up in the sky. That's right. And according to our aviation correspondent, Maya Bull, some clever folks even use solar power to take a flight around the world. Whoa, tell us more, Maya. Thanks, Leela. Almost five years ago, the Solar Impulse 2 went around the world. It was a single-seater plane with massively long wings covered in solar panels. It was the sun's energy that was powering it to fly. Then in 2019, the world's first fully electric six-passenger plane took off in Canada. Another company, Zero Avia, took to the skies here in England in a similar battery electric aircraft last year. But as you said, if you want to fly for a long time and in a bigger plane that can take a lot of passengers, right now the batteries are just too heavy for that. So the same company, Zero Avia, designed and recently flew 19 miles in a six-seater plane powered by water. Well, the hydrogen part of water. Hydrogen has lots going for it, doesn't it, Leela? Yes, ma'am. I've been consulting my encyclopedia. And here's what I found. Hydrogen is very abundant. That means hydrogen is found almost everywhere on Earth. 
It's also one of the lightest elements in the world. And that means it can pack three times the energy of fossil fuels without emitting any dirty greenhouse gases. It just emits water vapor. How cool is that? But it's not all pie in the sky. Hydrogen is really hard to extract or pull out from water. And it's pretty hard to store too. That's right, Alila. But still, it's being used for more than just planes. Over in Europe, in Austria, they've developed a hydrogen train. And here in the UK, in London, we have hydrogen buses. In fact, the British government is such a fan of hydrogen fuel, it's giving Zero Avia over $3 million to develop bigger hydrogen-powered planes in England. At the end of this year, the company hopes to test the technology on a flight that will go over 300 miles. Wow or what? Thanks a lot for that report, Maya. That's not all, folks. Aviation innovations are happening right here in India, too. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Even less surprising is it's a startup associated with the highly acclaimed IIT, the Indian Institute of Technology in Madras. Home of the super smart people. Indeed. So we've established that planes using electric batteries can't go too far or be too big, right? But what if that's an advantage? Oh, like in crowded places. Like in India. <laughs> yes, like getting from an airport on the outskirts of a city into downtown. Here to tell us more about this is... Yuvraj Sani, who's ready for takeoff. That's right, Leela. But the question is, will it be a plane or will it be a drone? Actually, it's a little bit of both. The e-plane company from Madras, India is developing an aircraft that will hit the sweet spot between floating like a drone and flying like a plane. They're developing a two-seater e-plane which will have both wings and rotors. The rotors, like a helicopter uses, will be used just for takeoffs and landings from rooftops or parking lots, while the wings will be used for flying fast. But the aircraft will only be for short flights, going from one side of a crowded city to the other. It's still in development. But a small prototype is set for a trial flight in the next few months. So keep your eyes to the sky. Thanks a lot, Yuvraj. Wonder when we'll be able to take one of the flying car taxis. Well, we reported a few weeks ago that the U.S. gave one flying car a certificate of airworthiness. But India has yet to do so. So watch this space. <laughs> you mean watch the skies. Uh, yes. So we usually think of AI or artificial intelligence as a tool to help solve 21st century problems, right? Things that require the super smart technology for science, medicine, and industry. Yeah, and of course, as we've reported a few times, AI has helped us better understand what our animals may be thinking. Yes, that's true. But one thing we don't really think of is AI and art, do we? No, ma'am. And yet... Now it's the ace part of our podcast. 
stands for Art, Culture and Entertainment. Darling. Darling. Yes, this is an art meets tech story. Because artificial intelligence is helping correct an issue with one of Rembrandt's paintings. Eh, uh, who's Rembrandt anyway? Ah, Rembrandt was a premier Dutch artist who painted portraits, landscapes, and historical scenes. But his most famous painting is the Night Watch. See, have a look. Huh. They're old-fashioned looking. Well, it was painted some 380 years ago, but actually it caused quite an uproar when he painted it. Why? Because of the snapshot effect he used. See, most paintings were of important people looking, well, important. And if it was a group, then they all had to look equally important. Ah, oh, of course. <laughs> but Rembrandt had had enough of that. He wanted to capture a moment in time. In this case, a group of soldiers about to march off, rather than focusing on the prominence of each person. But you'll never guess what happened to the painting. It was stolen? Luckily, no. <sighs> <laughs> but when it was moved into Amsterdam City Hall, some 80 years after it was painted, it didn't fit between the two grand doors where it was supposed to hang. Too big? Exactly. So guess what they did? No way! That's just as bad. <laughs> Sadly, yes way. It was trimmed. But you're not supposed to do that to someone's hard work. I know. But luckily... It's been restored, thanks to AI. As our correspondent, Nick von Hindenburg, who used to live in Amsterdam and has seen this painting many times, is about to tell us. Well, then take it away, Nick. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, I used to live just two blocks away from the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, and I've seen Rembrandt's The Night Watch many times. To be honest, I never knew this painting had been trimmed until recently. But the fact that it's been repainted, and by a computer, at that, is the talk of the town. While the cut pieces have never been found, luckily Rembrandt was so famous that a smaller version of the painting was copied by a contemporary artist in 1649. This allowed a true restoration of the original work to be recreated almost 400 years later. How does AI figure into the picture, you ask? Well, the senior scientists at the museum fed a high-resolution scan of the original painting and the copy in a computer. Artificial intelligence then helped figure out what the missing edges of the original painting would have looked like if actually painted by Rembrandt's hand. Then, rather than hire a painter, the missing edges were created by computer pixel by pixel. The images were then printed and are now mounted at the sides of the original masterpiece. Cool or what? I can't wait to go see it for myself. Hey, thanks a lot, Nick. I wish I could see it too. So y'all might remember a few weeks ago, we did a story about an unlikely partnership between art and AI. As in artificial intelligence. Exactly. Do you remember the story? You mean when AI was used to paint the lost bits of a canvas by the famous Dutch painter Rembrandt that had been cut off? Yes, as in snip, snip, cut some 400 years ago? That's the one. All right. So what is it this time? A Picasso? Nope, not a painting, but this. Not Beethoven's fifth. Hide <laughs> under the tables. Lock the doors. Close the blinds. Stop, stop, stop. No, not Beethoven's fifth. 
Uh, and I must say, Leela knows this piece of music because, well, bizarrely, her school has chosen to use the first dun-dun-dun-dun to precede their lockdown drills, thus instilling a sense of terror in all the students towards Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. But don't get me started. Yeah, I'm okay if AI doesn't help create more traumatic sounds. No, not traumatic at all. As our correspondent Nick von Hindenburg, who brought us the last AI meets art story, is about to tell us. Thanks, you guys. Ludwig von Beethoven, who was born in Germany over 250 years ago, is still one of the most famous musicians in the world. His music is, no doubt, played every day somewhere around the world. Even if you think you don't know his music, you've probably heard it. His melodies are often used in movies, TV shows, and even cartoons. Some are soft and tender, but many are famously dramatic. In fact, given his love music and notorious non-confirmist personality, Beethoven is often considered the original punk rocker. The German composer is famous for his nine symphonies, which are long, complicated pieces of classical music. Well, before he died, he began to sketch musical passages of a new symphony. But he never finished it. Ten years ago, computer scientists, musicians, and historians started using artificial intelligence to finish Beethoven's 10th symphony. They fed all of his music into computers and let them do the hard work of deep learning his musical style to try and figure out how the musician might have finished his last work. And this is what they came up with. The reception has been mixed. Some say bingo, while others say just so-so. A few of us think that the original punk rocker might be turning in his grave. In Washington, D.C., I'm Nick von Hindenburg, reporting for Newsy Paluzzi. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I prefer my punk with guitars and a lot of oi, oi, oi's. I really hope you're joking. (laughs) Nope. And that's a wrap on this week's tech special on Newsy Bluesy. Next week, it's Christmas! We have a very special Christmas Around the World episode we're planning for you. Want to know how the Finns celebrate being so close to the North Pole and all? And what do they do in Asia or down under in Australia? And ever heard of Spain's pooping yuletide lock? No, no lie. A log that poops presents, that is. It's a yuletide log after all. <laughs> have no idea what we're talking about. Well, you'd better tune in next week then. Don't worry, we'll turn the heater on. <laughs> so see you next week in the happy, splashy, giant, Newsy Poo Lizzie.